Well, good morning again, church family. What a blessing it is to be with you as we begin our time together. I'm going to skip that for now. Uh, as we begin our time together uh, in our missions month, and as we jump into really a day focused on South America with Paul here from Brazil, and uh, of course focusing on uh, the Toros in Chile. We are so blessed to be able to have these two mission points in a place where God is working in the global south in unbelievable ways. And us being separate from it, not hearing about it every day, we're excited to share a few things with you today. And if you were in Bible class, you got to hear a little from Paul. We put in the bulletin a little fast fact sheet about how Paul, uh, the ministry in Brazil, is blown up online, especially through the use of YouTube and teaching channels like that. And then we have some fast facts in there about Chile for you and what's happening there. And you'll get to hear from Marcelo here in just a little bit. But I want to just begin with a quick prayer, and then we're going to jump into where we're going to be today in John chapter 3 as we try to tackle, which uh, you jump into the New Testament, and there's so much. If you read along with the story in chapter 23 this week, an unbelievable amount of content. But we're going to try to wrap it all into a nice message this morning as we talk about being born again, again. And I want to ask God's blessing on our time in his word this morning. Let's pray. Father, may you come and be among us. We are um, we're not worthy. We are broken vessels. And we ask for you to come and repair, heal, and lead us. May you fill each of us with your spirit, Lord, and do great things. At the hearing of your word, may we be changed. And more than just being changed in a moment, may we be led into transformation for a lifetime. We pray these things in our Savior's name, Jesus. Amen. So i got a little scary thought for you as we get started. I want you to imagine that everything that you said, posted online, or even thought was somehow compiled over the past weekend, or maybe over the past week. Or maybe even, let's go even further, even over the past month, everything you thought, everything you said, everything you posted was all compiled into a giant document of just words and thoughts. I don't know how that would go. When I was a kid, there was this terrifying thought when I was a child that people could hear what I was thinking. I don't know if anybody, I had an overactive imagination. But imagine taking all those words and putting them into, you know, those old uh, online generators, word cloud generators. Imagine taking all your thoughts and all your words and putting them in a word cloud generator. We would know, if we could put them up on the screen, a whole lot about you, wouldn't we? Because all the words that would show up multiple times would get bigger in the word cloud, and then the ones that were a little smaller would appear smaller. But if we could get that, we would get a snapshot of your life. We would know so much about you. We would actually know the center point of your life. What's most important? What drives you? What values you have? All by... Simply knowing what you think, what you say, and anything else that goes into that. Now, that may be a scary thought to you. It's, it kind of scares me. There's some things that I would not want up on that screen. I would want, not, want, want people not to see. But when we come to the New Testament, what we get is we don't have all the words of Jesus as he begins his ministry. Of course we don't. John says that if you were to have all the things that he did, it wouldn't even, we, would fill, it would, we wouldn't have books to fill at all, right? But we do have, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, we have the words of Jesus that we need. We have enough. 
And if we take all of Jesus' words and we compile them into a word cloud, and somebody did this. Unfortunately, they did it out of the KJV. But they did this, and this is what it looks like. These are all the words that appear in the four Gospels of Jesus in a word cloud. And there's things that you see up there that you would realize, yeah, this is the center part of his life. The biggest word up there is things, which is interesting. That's probably just because that's just used as a translation. But the ones that stand out, God and Father, things that you would assume follow. But what, what I want you to notice is what's there on your right. Is it Jesus at the heart of his ministry? And to sum up the beginning of his ministry, talked and spoke and said more about one subject than any other. And you know it. You've heard me say it. It's the kingdom of God. So my kingdom and heaven show up right there beside each other in equal measure because Jesus at the center of his life, the topic that he wanted people to know about, wanted to comprehend, wanted him to get his disciples, their minds wrapped around. The center point of Jesus's ministry is the kingdom of God. A declaration that the king has come And now everything can change. The rule and reign of God is now available. It is here and everybody's life can change. Inside, outside, wherever you come from. The kingdom of God holds all the gravity and all the weight of Jesus' message. And one of the best, most insightful places we get from the scripture into Jesus' heart about what it looks like to be a kingdom person happens at night in John 3 in a conversation between Jesus and a ruler of the Sanhedrin, a guy that makes a few cameos in Scripture, a guy named Nicodemus. Nick comes at night. Now I want you to understand this, and it begins like this. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God was not with him. And Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, there it is. Twice in this passage, the idea of the kingdom of God will show up. Twice at the end of the Gospel of John, it'll show up again. That's another sermon for another day. But here it shows up in connection with Nicodemus saying, I know you're from God. I want to know how to be part of what you're doing. And then Jesus saying, I want you to be a part, but you got to be born again. Now, in your Bible, if you have it open, you need to underline, you need to asterisk, you need to star, circle, whatever you can, that word, born again, that phrase. Because that phrase, born again, doesn't quite come across correctly in English. For us, born again is maybe a moment when we came to Christ and it's included in that. Or for us, it's a time when we came up out of the waters of baptism and we were reborn into Christ. And yes, that is definitely part of it. But the word here actually isn't just about an event or a moment. Jesus, when he speaks of being born again, is speaking of an origin. 
He's trying to show Nicodemus something of where he needs to be born from. So the word really means, and if you have a new NIV that was uh, redone in 2011, you, they'll, have a, they'll have a footnote. I'm sure the NRSV and maybe even the ESV, although it's, it's not that great, uh, is, 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 is uh, sorry, that's just my own opinion. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll have a little footnote. And what the word actually means is to be born again, again. Or maybe in vernacular, our vernacular, would be, Jesus says, you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you need to be born from above. Now, note note that. I want you to note that because that is so key to the understanding of Jesus, to be born from above. Now, this may help. Well, here's what Jesus is getting at. I don't want to fly through this part, but I want you to really lean in and understand this. Just Jesus is saying that once you were born, You were born like a baby, but now you need to be born not like you were the first time, but born into a greater newness. It is a transfer of life he's talking about. Unless you're born from a different origin, a different place, a different, completely different way of thinking, you will never actually be born again. Unless you get the center point of your life put right. We would call that worldview or our philosophy. If that doesn't change completely, and if that doesn't have an origin or a source from somewhere else, if it does not come from above, you're not born again. And until you do this, the kingdom of God will not make sense. God will not make sense to you. Which is a wild conversation to have with one of the experts of the law, a guy named Nicodemus, isn't it? What a wild thing for Jesus to tell one of the most educated privileged, most powerfully influential people in Israel at the time, a member of the 70 members of the Sanhedrin. And Jesus looks at him and says, Nicodemus, pour yourself out, turn yourself upside down, take all that you think you know, get rid of it, and start over. Be born again, again. Now, we're going to say more about this in a minute, but I want us to lean in on this. I keep saying that for Brad's sake. You're not looking at me, Brad. All right, thank you. (laughs) He hates when preachers say lean in, so I put it in there twice just for Brad. All right. (laughs) You heard me. All right. Now I'm going to keep saying it. I won't mean to. Anyway, all right. But this is Jesus' call. His call and his good news is the kingdom has come, but to be part of this great kingdom you got to turn it upside down. you got to find a source of your life that comes from somewhere else. And it's unlike anything else you've ever experienced. And the reason this is such a challenging message to Nicodemus, and I'll tell you guys, even still today, to those of us who've heard John 3 preached dozens of times, why this still is such a challenging message is because we are still so apt and good at building our own little kingdoms. Amen? We don't get what it means to be born again because every day I spend time building my own kingdom. I try to get my way right. And when I try to get my little kingdoms right, I end up just more of a little mess when left to myself. 
But what Jesus calls us to is to be born again, again. Now, a story might help us here. This past summer that you just saw Adam talk about, 17 of us went to Chile. Part of this week-long mission trip to be with the Toros and hang out with them and La Serena. And it was beautiful. It was a wonderful experience. But I think every one of us probably had in mind what was going to happen and then what would proceed to happen afterwards, after we left. And probably every one of us, all 17 of us with our expectations were absolutely wrong. I thought I had in mind, here's what's going to go, and I had the itinerary, and here's what we're going to do, and we're going to hand out flyers, and we're going to do all this stuff, and we're going to see these things. And none of the things that I expected happened. And then post us being there, staying in contact with my little chili group on the WhatsApp app, I have been blown away by how all the things that I thought would happen after we left, none of that's happened. And I don't say that as bad news. I actually say that as good news because what has happened in Chile is a born-again experience. Everything that I expected wasn't what God was up to. I expected when we handed out flyers for people to treat us like Western Americans would, right? But when we handed out flyers, people were like, tell me more. I expected to go into a rehab center and just go through the motions. But we walked into a rehab center and I've never seen hunger for the word of God like there was in that room. That when we gifted them a Santa Biblia, a holy Bible in their language, it was as if they were opening a treasure. I expected them to act like we do. That's just scripture. But they opened it and it was a reborn, a born again, again experience. And since that time, I don't think even Marcelo and Matresa had in mind what could happen and what God would do when the born again spirit of Jesus gets involved and he starts changing lives. So I asked Marcelo to give us about 10 minute update and to talk about some things. And so Marcelo and Matresa put together a little quick video here about being born again, again. And I want y'all to watch this for about, it's about nine minutes long. It, it, it is great. And uh, as Marcelo always does a great job, he's there in his backyard and it's summer down there. And so it's a beautiful little, little thing. And he's got some great news for us. Let's watch this. Hopefully everybody's doing well there. I am so grateful and happy to be with you this morning and especially share with our brother Jake Now, Marcelo would have never, um, he was told, you can't go back to Chile. People at his college, people who are trying to pick missionary place, him and Matresa, they were told Chile is not open. They don't want to know the gospel. And maybe even in our own minds as we support them, because of our unborn again state, We often limit God and we say that possibly can't happen. But again, I hope you saw that we never would have thought that what what God has for Marcelo would be the one who's training now 20 other church leaders in La Serena. Unbelievable. 
Nobody would have ever thought that there'd be somebody who was a young man who grew up in the foster system without a home and was part of an abused home foster system in Chile, and now he has access to those places to preach the gospel to other children who've been part of horrible situations. But that's what it means to be born again. Throw it all out. So let's go back to the, the text. Nicodemus, of course, is confused by this. He's dumbfounded by Jesus' words. He's often, uh, we know he's kind of like, well, how could this possibly be? Right? There's a, there, you maybe have heard this before in India. They work through this. When there's adoptions in India, the mom of the family will take the newborn that she's adopting and to symbolically bring into that, that, that child that she did not bear herself in her womb, she will take the child and wear a loose-fitting dress, and she will take the child and pass the child down her neckline and then out the bottom of the dress. And it's a way of symbolically saying this child has been reborn into our family. It's a great, I, I love that. I, I, I'm sure it's strange to see, but I love that. It's a really great ceremony. But even that doesn't capture what Jesus is actually good at. In the text, here's what he says after Nicodemus is like, surely I can't enter into my mother's womb again. But Jesus says this. He says, very truly I tell you, no one can enter, and here it is the second time, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you cannot be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is of everyone born of the Spirit. So for the second time here, Jesus says entrance in the kingdom of God is being born again and again. But this time he adds in to to his first teaching. And he says, Nick, you've got to be born of water and Spirit. Now, immediately, we would connect that in our minds to the practice of repentance and confession and baptism. And those are undoubtedly part of what Jesus is speaking of. But go back even further. Where's the first time water and spirit appears in the text? It's page one. As as God and Jesus and the Spirit speak creation into being, there is this chaos, and it says the Spirit hovers over the water bringing order into chaos. God is calling new creation. So what Jesus is doing is he's connecting. He's saying, you want to be part of the kingdom, you need to go through a rethinking of everything. You need to be part of new creation. You need to start all over. This is what Paul will pick up on 2 Corinthians 5.17. Right? The new creation is here. The old is gone. Right? Brand new things. To be born again is to be born again today and yesterday and every moment by moment by moment by moment. That I am rethinking and my recentering and I'm realigning my life around Jesus Christ. So to be born again is this. It's to completely surrender and then center our lives around Jesus the Christ. Not just weekly, not just one-time surrender, not just a religious ceremony, but daily, moment-by-moment surrender. And I want to put this to work as we close up this morning. Because where this gets tough is moving from church theory and church answers into actual surrender to actually living a born 
again life, right? So I want to ask a question that maybe helps us with this. It maybe helps us with surrender. It certainly helps me. It's this question of what is holding my life together? What is the glue in my life? What is the support system in my life? What is the thing that if I had a word cloud of my life and my thoughts that would actually point to God? What holds you together? What motivates you? What inspires you? What gets you fired up? What gets you out of the bed in the morning? If we answer that, you actually start to discover what actually is putting your life together. And also what holds us together. Look around. You you can. You can turn your head. (laughs) Look around. What holds you close to the person in the row or behind you or in front of you? What binds us together? Because the way we answer that really reveals if we're born again or not. See, a tough question that comes out of this is what line in the, sands do I, in the sand do I draw? What holds me together with you? Is there some fellowship line I would, I would, I would hold against you? Is there some hill I was willing to die on? in order to keep fellowship with you or to remove fellowship with you or to keep loving you or to remove my love for you. And I really think this is what Jesus is getting at with Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus has it all together and he's trying to say, what's holding you together actually, Nicodemus? Is it all that you have? Is it all this knowledge you have? Or is it actually something else? What holds us together? Now, we're not, even, we're not even comfortable looking around at each other when I'm up here talking for some reason. You guys are like, <laughs> let me see if I can get side eye. I've got really good peripherals, Jake, right? 360 degree peripherals. If you're a mom, that may be true. If you're a dad, it's not true. Moms have eyes in the back of their head. But the truth is, and, and, and this is an unfortunate truth, but a lot of us have some really small molehills that we're willing to die on. We're like, well, if the church does that, I'm out. It has nothing to do with the gospel. It has nothing to do with anything other than tradition. But we hold fellowship against each other because we haven't been born again into the way of Jesus, into the way of love, in the center part of our life. And that is not only just true for us, that's true for me. That's true for us as individuals. Because what holds us as individuals sometimes together is pride and my desire to be well thought of or to be right or my money or my secret sins or my selfish tendencies. And what Jesus is calling us to is he's saying surrender because what the message is of this passage is that the center of all things should be the way of Jesus. To be reborn is to follow a king whose central message was death of himself. Who the way he won victory was through surrender. So I came in here this week with, uh, with, with some yarn, and I wanted to find what's the center point 
of this building. And so I came in here and I made Ravonda work with me a little bit. And somebody already took it down, messed me up. Thanks a lot. But under, the <laughs> and under this chair, I put something that should be at the center point of this church. The center place of what we're all about. If this is really the center of this building, not that the building is a church, don't hear me wrong, but if we are going to center our lives on something, the thing that we should always find at the center is the crown of thorns. Everywhere we go, everything we should do, it shouldn't be what's happening up here on the stage, and it shouldn't be who's up here preaching. It shouldn't be anything other than Jesus the Christ. He is the center. He is the author. He is the perfecter. He is the one who holds us together. We are not saved by our knowledge. Nicodemus was not going to be saved by his ability to tell the text and to say the text. Nicodemus wasn't going to be able to enter the kingdom because he already had authority. Nicodemus was being invited to enter the kingdom by laying down that authority and following the one who had all authority but yet laid it down, who was rich but became poor, who was the king, but yet he was the king crowned with thorns. And that is what it means to be born again. That is the good news. It's the center point of our church family. And if anything else, there's no real hill to die on in church other than is Jesus the Christ. You know, we like to talk about salvation issues in the church. There is one salvation issue, Jesus the Christ and his blood. And everything else falls in place after that. Are those conversations important? Of course. Should we be able to have them? Yes. Should we be able to have them in a way that represents surrender to Jesus? Hopefully. Because if we're not able to have them without that kind of heart and attitude, we are not being born again. I have to surrender daily, over and over and over. My pride, my desires, my wants. And I've got to follow a Savior who rules from a cross. That's his throne. I'm so glad y'all are here today. I'm sorry we went a little long. Wanted to get Marcella's video in. I'm glad you're able to kick off our new year with us with our missions month. If you need anything this morning, we're here for you. Let's stand and let's sing. Seek that.